Welcome to RailPass. I'm your host, Sarah Hardy, Division Manager of Visitor Experience with the Southern California Railway Museum, located in Paris, California. Join me as we learn more about the Railway Museum and meet the people who volunteer, work, play, partner, and engage with our museum. All aboard for our next great adventure. Hello, so today we're gonna explore the museum's interactive exhibit, The Signal Garden, and to help us understand this exhibit better, I've asked two volunteers, Steve and Don, here to speak with us. Um, Steve has really been the pioneer and the lead volunteer behind this exhibit's revamping, and Don has been instrumental in helping expedite the work um, and helping to update the exhibit. And so, dig the trenches. And dig the trenches. <laughs> so before we get started, do you want to um, introduce yourself to our listeners? Uh, name is Steve Walleen. Uh, I took over the Signal Garden about four years ago and have had fun with it ever since. I've been happy to say that I've seen everything in there working probably for about four days. It's a constant uh, battle with... Uh, 100-year-old signals to keep them running. I can imagine that. Don? Well, I'm Don Desfour, and uh, as you mentioned, I've been helping Steve with the signal garden, and uh, my main motivation was uh, that I really enjoy seeing things that uh, families, the whole family, can en enjoy, and especially the younger visitors, uh, something that they can do and push the buttons. and yeah. And make the lights and the noise go. <laughs> it is a really, it is a really cool exhibit, and it is very interactive. It's a lot of fun. I like to start these podcasts off by kind of talking about your volunteer journey. So, how did you get started with volunteering at Southern California Railway Museum? I came out here to volunteer to run the trolleys. Saw a number of broken signals and said, "Can I fix them?" They said, sure. <laughs> yeah, go at it. And then um, the revamp came because we had a bunch of rain come, and half the signals went down. And so uh, it was either try to repair half a dozen signals with wires running under the ground that I didn't know where, or just put in a sane system, which was... A little bit more work, but then nobody would have to go through what I had to go through. Yeah. <laughs> what keeps you volunteering? I just enjoy explaining things. Yeah. I enjoy when uh, we have a kid out there and his parents are explaining what the signal means. And so I'm, I'm trying to make more exhibits that open up the, the signals behind the scenes so you can see them run, uh, can actually work with them. Oh, that would be a really cool addition to that exhibit. John, how did you get started volunteering at the well, museum? Well, I uh, started slowly. Yeah? <laughs> I uh, had been uh, enjoyed trains most of my life. I never worked in that industry. In fact, this is the exact opposite of everything I did, trying to make things small and low power <laughs> and light, uh, which trains uh, are none of those. Uh, and I started uh, volunteering on Day Out with Thomas as uh, one of the car attendants. And, okay. Uh, I was recruited by Chuck Painter. And uh, that what, a, kind what an of, event to get thrown in on for your first. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> and uh, 
so from there, I, I'd been a member a while before I started volunteering. And, of course, okay. I don't know how these guys that uh, are still employed and have families are able to sneak away as much as they do <laughs> from their other commitments. I was never able to do that. So yeah. after I retired, I started uh, coming out a little more and being able to volunteer a little more. And, uh, you know, the one thing about the museum is there's an endless number of uh, types of tasks and skill sets needed. And uh, you just kind of find out where you fit and what you like to do. And uh, uh, there's a little something of everything. And so how did you get involved in the signal garden? Oh, funny you should ask that. <laughs> uh, I believe somebody named Sarah asked, <laughs> asked me to weed the garden because it was getting a little overgrown. And I, I came, actually came out a Saturday, uh, uh, met Steve uh, while we were weeding and said, I can help with some of that stuff. So I did. <laughs> and then the rest is history. <laughs> and the rest is history. And what keeps you volunteering at the museum? Oh, I just enjoy uh, uh, the interaction. Uh, first of all, I enjoy being around trains. There's something exciting about something that large and powerful. And, yeah, uh, it is and really it's very unique. interesting, and yet certainly the history behind the the rail. Uh, and for somebody that's not an expert, uh, uh, there's so many people here that know so much more about railroading than I mm -hmm. do, and, they, and specifically about the history of Southern California Railway that I learned so much. So even though I, I sometimes ask as, act as a docent, uh, there's so many people teaching me so much about the history yeah, there's of railroading and always things you can learn it is a really involved history so you can yeah you can know so much as a docent even our lead docents like they still are constantly learning new and, things and steve's taught me an awful lot about railroad signals yeah <laughs> so for this to talk about the signal garden do you know when this exhibit was originally installed and by who no i don't i'm not so much into the history of things as the technology, and uh, there are people that would better know that. I met a couple of the people that helped uh, acquire some of the signals. Okay. Was it always set up with the purpose of being interactive, though, when you yes. took it over? Okay. It started out that way, and from, from what I've dug up, and I mean that literally, <laughs> I can tell that initially it had a bunch of signals running to this one wigwag, and that was going to be the central part of it. And all of a sudden, they added more and more and more. Okay. And it obviously grew because you, when you take a look at the underground pipes, you know, why is everything running here, over here to the side of the signal garden before it runs over here to the main controller? Ah, that used to be the main controller. So it started off with probably just wanting to showcase one signal. And then they're like, oh, this is cool. Let's just keep adding yeah, signals. I think that's what happened. Okay. So when when did you, like, how long ago? You said four years? About four years. Okay. And just because you noticed some of them weren't working and you... Some of them weren't working. I'm an electrical engineer, and the electrics on this are truly amazing. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've got a relay whose last inspection sticker is 1910. 
That's not when it was manufactured. That's when it was last inspected for use. Oh, wow. And it's the stuff was designed to last 100 years. It's lasted 100 years for the most part. Uh, and so I'm just trying to keep it going as best I can. Is it difficult picking? So working with something that was designed 100 years ago, is there a lot of overlap as like an electrical engineer today? Or is, was there like a learning curve to work with these older mechanics? Well, you, you get a railroad relay. It's about, the, about twice the size of a lunchbox. You can buy the same relay today commercially. It's about the size of a matchbox. Oh, wow. <laughs> but it's not designed to last over 100 years. Mm -hmm. And it's obvious it's not designed to last over 100 years. So the principles are the same. And the principles are very basic with the probably the more interesting thing is the amount of fail-safe that goes on in there because there's a tremendous amount of wiring that says, Okay, if this breaks, we fail with the signal down. We fail with the crossing arm down, or we fail with this uh, in the, the most restrictive aspect that it can be. And that's to promote safety if it fails. If it fails, it's going to fail safe, yes. Okay, interesting. What would you say was the most challenging part in the beginning when you decided to take on fixing the signal garden? Probably the first thing I did, and I spent about um, – two months doing it was just finding out where the wires go. <coughs> I know wires go in here. I know they come out 20 different places. Let's find out where this particular wire goes and let's label it uh, because um, I had a wiring diagram by, from the previous maintainer, but he it was not as he had built it. It was as he wanted to build it. Okay. <laughs> so some of the wires were not there yet. And uh, so I sussed them out, and uh, it, was, it was interesting because, I mean, um, there is a, a three-dot signal. The wire goes down the three-dot signal, goes up a track semi-four signal, goes down the track semi-four signal, goes up a tricolored light, changes color, goes down the tricolor light, goes over to the crossing arm, changes color again, and then goes to the signal box. <laughs> that, yeah, that sounds like it would be a difficult thing to figure out and also really frustrating. Um, good for you for persevering and <laughs> keeping on to figure that out. I know that with the ACME traffic signal, um, there is no documentation for it. I was lucky to find a patent that was sort of kind of what was in there. And I spent uh, about three months just going through the hundreds of wires there to make a wiring diagram so I could understand what was going on. That sounds like a lot of in-depth work. And so you've been working on this for four years. How long ago did you get involved, John? Uh, I think it's, what, Steve, yeah. a couple of years? Yeah. <laughs> and what has been your most challenging moment during the revamp? Uh, I don't know that there's been a particularly challenging moment other than, as Steve says, it, uh, it, this equipment is so old that you think you've got it all working perfectly and there's always something new that's uh, malfunctioning <laughs> and wearing out or breaking and needs... Uh, uh, 
needs more work yeah. than just when you thought it. Uh, so every time I come into the museum, the first place I look is at the signal garden. I look over, there's a couple of indicators that can tell you whether, yeah. as Steve mentioned, that uh, since everything fails safe, you can kind of take a quick look and you can tell what's what's working and what's not working. And oh, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, you would be able to tell that. So you never know. You take one <laughs> yeah. step forward, but you're always prepared for that like little step back. Is there something that each of you are most proud of in your work that you've done there? Uh, probably two things. The biggest one of which is uh, something you, you don't see, and that is my work is documented, and I am there's a copy of the documentation in the signal cabinet. So the, the class, if I am unable to come back here for some reason, people can carry on without having to go through what I did. That's good. Yeah, making sure that there's that historical knowledge so that people can pick up and continue your work. And then one of my proudest moments, which actually surprised the heck out of me, was we have the old Acme traffic signals, of which there are only 13. And a, a guy who had found two, who changed the known number from 11 to 13, came to the museum and asked, does anybody know about them? And Hank pointed out to me and said, there's the world's expert. And I go, what makes you think I'm the world's expert? There are only 13 of them, and you know something about them. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Yeah, you've gotten it working. Yeah, you probably do know more about them than most people. Do you have a proudest moment? Well, I don't know if it's proudest or just kind of the most fun is uh, the first day we got the crossing arm working and there was a little boy and he was about three or four years old and he just pushed that button and the gate went down and the lights came on and uh, we had the bells all working at that time and uh, it came down, it went up, he pushed the button again, it went down, it went up. <laughs> He did that about four or five times. His mother said, let's go look at something else. And he said, no. <laughs> no. <laughs> I know that very well. My office is right next to that, that signal. Um, I do want to talk a little bit about the signals in the collection. How many signals are there in total? Uh, let's see. I would say approximately a dozen. Okay. Do you have a favorite signal? I tend to... There's some I, I do like. I like the Acme traffic signal because it's so unique. The semaphore because it's um, the mechanism is so intricate yet robust. Okay. Um, after that, uh, just sort of uh, they they are pretty decent signals. Uh, I found it interesting that the the last signal I decided to restore with the crossing arm. My attitude was. We'll restore that last because if you want to see one, go down to Mapes and wait for the train. Yeah, <laughs> that's uh, true. But it turns out that's the most popular signal. It because it's it's big. That's why the semaphore. I noticed that's one that you often leave open um, for people to see the inside. Can you talk a little bit about why you decided to showcase that one? It's the mechanism. I want to see people to see how it works. And the reason I, I leave it open so they can see it, the reason I close it up is because every once in a while we have rain. Mm -hmm. uh, the, the San Diego Model Railroad Museum has one, and I've been trying to replicate that for years. 
Now, it's interesting, that particular semaphore mechanism actually came from my collection. I bought one and I restored it. Okay. And then I traded the one that I had restored for the one that was in the signal garden, which was unrestored. What Are you working on restoring that one now, too? Yes, it's yeah. going to get restored, and I'm going to trade it for the one on the main line. And it's going to get restored, and then I'll donate it. Oh, nice. <laughs> but it was interesting because my wife saw me put that semaphore in the car. Good, that piece of junk is going away. Like, nope. It's I didn't coming. have the heart to tell her I was bringing another piece of junk back. Yeah, <laughs> that's coming with me. Do you have a favorite signal? Well, like I said, uh, crossing arms always fun just because the kids love it so much. Uh, certainly, uh, Steve has taught me a lot about some of the very unique and unusual signals that I wasn't even uh, uh, aware of prior to working in the signal garden. So yeah. So I. What's the oldest? My favorite. My favorite ones are always the ones that are still working. Yes, I. <laughs> That's true. Which which one is the oldest signal? I would believe it's the Hall banjo. Okay. Which is very very early. It does. Most signals have two aspects. One saying clear, go as fast as you want. The other saying approach, meaning that the next signal may be red. The Hall only has one, which is clear and uh, clear and stop. Okay. <laughs> uh, and. It is actually so rare and so unique. It's one of the few signals we're not going to restore because we can't guarantee that restoration won't damage it. Oh, interesting. Uh, and I think Steve should mention that. I believe that dates back to 1869. Oh, wow. I mean, or that era. Yeah. I'm not sure that one's from that year, but that's, that's when they were in use. And I have been around the country and seen other railroads that have them. They are all in the back room. Uh, mm-hmm. Ours is the only one on display. The others are fully restored but kept under lock and key. Yeah. Well, yeah, if it's that old, that makes a lot of sense. Is there one signal that's given you the most difficulty? Like, does it keep failing and need the most work? So far, uh, that is definitely the crossing arm. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) And that's one of the more modern ones that's up there, right? Well... If you consider modern 50 years old. Yeah. Well, compared to 1869, yeah. Yes. But it still still works. It's just that um, it was made, it has, I think, 15 different cams. What are cams? Those are switches that open and close based upon where the signal is, where the arm is. In other words, when it's up, a switch will open. When it's down, it will open. And it's a very complicated um, uh, mechanism because, um, you know, it, when you when the arm's going down, the motor will turn and push it a little bit. Then it'll turn off and just let it fall. Mm-hmm. And then at the bottom, it turns on the motor, but in reverse, pushing the making it a generator and sending electric current through a resistor to cushion it. And that's just going. That's just some of the things that happen. And those cams, every one of them can be adjusted and can be adjusted wrong, as I can testify to. <laughs> right. And I think part of uh, Steve's point is that even though it looks like a modern crossing gate, this is an all mechanical 
uh, in electoral or electromechanical. Uh, there's a lot of what it's doing is done electronically today. Okay. And so it's a lot, they're actually less complex today than they were 50 oh. or 60 or 70 years ago. Okay, interesting. What is there left to do on the signal garden? What I'm doing right now is I've got three signals that we're up in various stages of repair. And then I'm coming up with some additional exhibits so that uh, people can view something like uh, how a crossing gate actually works. In other words, I've taken the mechanism out of a real crossing gate, the control mechanism, and I'm going to give the guest the ability to take a toy locomotive on a piece of model railroad track and just run it down. Mm -hmm. And he'll be able to see the switches, the relays operate, the switches, the gate will go down, and exactly how it works or how it used to work. Yeah. Um, now they've got a lot more fancier stuff, but it is fascinating because actually the nice thing about the old stuff, it's big. You can see it. Mm -hmm. You can't see the insides of a computer operator, but you can see those relays go up and down. That's true. Yeah, that is a really unique part of these signals. Why are signals important to highlight and preserve for railroad history? Well, it's... We have a very interesting little thing in the United States, and that is um, the United States is big, and the United States is cheap. And so we put single tracks over everywhere. And we, in that case, you've got to run trains both directions. Not at the same time, therefore you have signals. And so there's a lot of work designed to make sure that you only have one track on a train at a time. Mm -hmm. And people have, the signals have been refined over the years as they discovered what can and can't be done with them and to basically try to keep the trains apart from each other. And it's interesting, yeah, to see their, their evolution, where they started where they are today, not just in terms of how they look, but also, like Don said, they're mechanicals. So a lot of signals now are electric versus... Or electron yeah. electronically Electronic. controlled, yeah. whereas these were all electromechanical. Yeah. And, you know, as far as when you talked about why these need to be preserved and displayed, is that that's what's so interesting, as, as Steve had also mentioned earlier, is the technology and so the history of the technology mm -hmm. where we're really pretty much doing the same thing today as we were doing 100 years ago 120 years ago yeah uh, but we're doing it in such a different way mm -hmm. and a lot of these signals predated radio and so you think about now people just use a two-way radio they use their cell phones for the communication but if you've got to communicate between trains and crews and not run into each other and you have no radios or cell phones, yeah, uh, that this is how they accomplish that. Yeah. If any of our listeners are interested in getting involved in working on the Signal Garden or donating to the collection, how can they do that? Uh, they can contact the, the, our main number, leave their name at the store, and uh, they will get in touch with me. I am here pretty much every Saturday. 
And um, my goal each day is to leave the signal garden a little better than I found it. (laughs) I mean, it's coming along really great. It's one of my favorite exhibits, especially coming from a museum education standpoint. I love the message it it conveys and the interactive component. So I'm really appreciative for the work that you both are doing and making sure it, it stays working. That's one of the hard things about it is, is that um, you've got, when you realize that you're restoring something so that it can be operated. And if it is going to be operated, eventually it's going to need to be maintained and fixed and updated and because I remember storing a Johnson Fair box and having perfect finish on the, the strike plate for the coins and then said, okay, let's have somebody try it out, and they dropped coins on it, chipped the paint. And I'm going, yes, well, you restored it to be used. <laughs> yes. I really thank you both for taking the time to talk with me today and sharing with our listeners about this exhibit, why it's important, and um, just what has been involved in getting it back up and running and keeping it up and running. As with so many other volunteers at the museum, I know that you both do a lot more than the Signal Garden, so I would love to have you back to talk about your other projects if you're interested. Right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today. As you disembark, make sure to like, subscribe, and comment. And visit SoCalRailway.org to view past episodes, photo, video, and bonus material. And also let us know what you would like to hear, who you'd like to meet, and what we can do for the next Rail Pass episodes.